I want to talk to you about dreaming. The power of a dream is incredible. In December 17, 1903, at 10.35 a.m., Orville and Wilbur Wright saw a dream leave the ground for 12 gravity-defying seconds. Aviation in the world would never be the same. And the dream started when their father handed them a toy helicopter that they then threw it into the air and watched it float to the ground. A young Henry Ford would make uh, automobiles affordable for every family. People laughed at his dream. No one would ever want to leave the value of a horse and a buggy. But instead, uh, he had the dream that every car would be affordable for people. And over the next 15 years, thousands of Ford Model T Fords would be bought, uh, and the cost was a whopping $290 each. How many of you wish it was still that way? In the 1940s, a young evangelist named Billy Graham had a radical dream. He had a few college buddies that envisioned with him what it would look like if they could share the gospel in large arenas around the world. And over 20 or 200 million people have heard Billy Graham preach live, and over a billion have heard him present the gospel via television and radio. Nelson Mandela had a dream for racial equality between blacks and whites in South Africa. His dream even stayed alive while he was in prison for his beliefs. And at his trial, Mandela in full voice said, Ending apartheid is a cause for which I will gladly invest every rest, the rest of my life. It's an ideal for which I hope to live for and to achieve, but if need be, it's an ideal for which I am fully prepared to die. Jesus Christ had a dream. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And on a rough cross outside of Jerusalem, he allowed himself to be crucified as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. His dream was completed when three days later he arose from the grave and the world would never be the same. And guys, we are starting this three-week series today. We're going to pause on James for a little bit so we can talk about the greatest showman. And when I say the greatest showman, it's different than what we think because it is far different than P.T. Barnum. The greatest that I'm talking about is the greatest of all time, the undefeated, undisputed champion of love. And next week, we're going to see how he's the greatest escape artist. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about how he is the greatest transformer of the human heart. And this week, we're going to talk about how he's the greatest visionary to ever live. Jeremiah 29, 11. And God said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God does have a plan and a dream for every one of us. Proverbs 19, 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Friends, we should always be pressing forward as individuals and as in a church. We should always be seeking God's guidance in our life. We should always be striving to accomplish more challenging goals. We should always be reaching to the next level in our inner spiritual growth and in the growth and life of our church because God has clearly called us to the task to dream big and to watch and see what God does. After all, he's the God who says the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. He's the God who said, I don't want anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. And he's the God who said in Ephesians that he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us and be glory to him and in the church. And if you catch that last scripture, you realize that we serve a God who dreams big dreams. And he's talking about giving us a vision for our life that is beyond the norm, a vision beyond the day to day that says, what can we do for the kingdom of God 
in a very positive way. And that's what, bless you, my son. My gosh. You have to learn to control that. That's, that's it's almost scary, really. It's so scary, but I want to talk to you about dreaming God's dream today. And I want you to understand from Scripture that God does have a dream for your life. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 26. So if you have your Bibles today, you can look at this. And here's the setting. Paul is going to be on trial here soon, and he is standing before a very powerful king. And the king is asking him about his life and why he is doing what he's doing. And Paul is taking this occasion to tell him about the gospel and about how God saved him. And so here's what I want you to learn. First, I want you to see that Paul is going to be stopped by a dream. Acts chapter 26, verse 12. Paul said to King Agrippa, uh, on one of the journeys where he was going out to persecute Christians, he said, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions, and we all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying in, in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Our vision may not be quite that dramatic. On the road to Damascus, Jesus steps into the life of Paul, and through a dramatic vision and experience and light, uh, and in fact so much so that Paul is even blinded for a period of time, Jesus shows up on the road to to Damascus. But like Paul, we do have dreams and we do have visions. And it will often stop us in our tracks and let us glimpse something that's beyond what we currently are, a potential that God has in store for us. And in every dream, I've learned that there is a time for reflection, a time to step back, to stop, and to consider where you're going. That's true as individuals. That's true as a church. And while we are stopped, we notice the areas where maybe we need improvement. We notice the areas where maybe we realize we're not accomplishing all we can. And so Paul was on the road to Damascus, off to persecute Christians, and Jesus suddenly stops him in his tracks so that he could notice something beyond the norm. And friends, if you want to get beyond where you are today, then you have to take some time to reflect and envision a greater future. You have to pause long enough to say, God, what do you have in store for my life? Where do you want me to go in my life? What is next in my life? And friends, I do that a lot with the church. Part of my job is just to step back long enough and say, God, where are you directing us next? What's the next step for Axis Church? And that kind of reflection happened all the time in Scripture. For David, it happened while he was tending sheep. Pretty normal activity. For Moses, it happened while he wandered through the desert. For Joseph, it happened while he sat in Pharaoh's prison. And for Paul, it happened on a road to Damascus where he's off to persecute Christians. Now, I know some of you guys might say, that's never happened to me. I've never been stopped by a vision. I've never been able to see beyond today. And I would say maybe that's because you've never taken a lot of time to reflect. So often we are too loud to hear God's call, too busy to see his hand, too distracted to dream his dream. And like Paul, many times we, dreams are born out of a time of conflict or hardship, or some challenge in your life where suddenly God speaks into that challenge and says, now I want you to do something great to the impact positively the lives of other people. But friends, once you see it, you'll never be the same. So you're stopped by the dream, and then you're sent by the dream. Listen, Paul had that vision. It stopped him, but it also sent him. Look at Acts chapter 26 again. Verse 16, it says, Now get up and stand on your feet, Jesus said. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness 
of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, for the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to take your vision from what you thought was right to persecute Christians, and I'm going to change that, and you're going to radically change the world. And thank goodness that he did, because the Apostle Paul was the first one to bring the gospel to Europe, and therefore to most of us, God sent him on a life-changing, world-changing mission. And a similar thing happened to Isaiah, as one day he had a vision before the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6. And it was such a great vision that Isaiah fell before God. He realized how unclean he was before God. And God said at the end of this vision, now who's going to go for me after you've seen these incredible things? And Isaiah said what all of us should say, here I am, send me. Isaiah didn't sit around. He didn't just think about his dream, he went for it. He went after it. He didn't know everything. He didn't have every detail. He didn't dot every I and cross every T. He just did what God called him to do. And I think all of us should be praying, God, what's next? God, what's next? What's next in this relationship? What's next in this future? God, what's next for me? What's next for our family? What's next for this ministry? All of us should be asking that. And when we see the dream, we should pursue it. We should pursue it. On October 17, 1998, a very strange sight occurred on the streets of New York City. Two New York police officers found themselves in a high-speed chase of a stolen vehicle. While that's not that unusual, the vehicle that the individual stole was parked at a curbside. It just happened to be a Dunkin' Donuts delivery truck. And so here these police officers find themselves in a very unusual situation as they are chasing a Dunkin' Donuts van through the streets of New York City. Even they had to admit how embarrassing it must seem that two officers are in a high-speed chase to find some donuts. And friends, when you get a dream, you just have to pursue that dream like a high-speed chase of a Dunkin' Donut van. That's called a transitional statement. Thank you very much. <laughs> friends, listen, God is looking for people who are willing to pursue the dream in their lives that God has for them. He's looking for people who are willing to give up some personal comfort and some, some personal agenda for the salvation of souls. He's looking for churches who will have enough faith to believe that God is still able to do more than all we ask or imagine. And the problem is never with God's dream. The problem has always been with the receptivity of God's people to discover and follow that dream. And so I'm just asking you today, do you know what God's dream is for your life? Do you understand that dream? Have you taken time to reflect? Are you asking God the question, God, what's next? What's next, God? And so that you know that you can live beyond today. Not only are you stopped by it, not only are you sent by it, you're also strengthened by it. If a vision is God-given, He will give you the strength to endure and to see it to the end. Acts chapter 26, verse 20 says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and then all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts, and they tried to kill me. But I have God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. In seeking the dream, Paul faced tremendous trials, even to the point of death. They nearly killed him, but through it all, the Bible says that God strengthened him. He had God's help. And friends, don't you realize that anytime God asks you to do something great for him, he will always give you the strength and the resources to accomplish that task. Always. 
He gives you the confidence you need to endure criticism. He gives you the resilience you need to overcome obstacles. He gives you the stamina you need to make it past roadblocks. And some of you today may be thinking, I'm not strong enough in my faith. I'm not really able to do it. Stephen, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not that person. About two years ago, a little over two years ago now, we had a dream. And part of our dream and vision for Access Church was that that we would step outside of the boundary and walls of what normally was done in churches because what we're seeing is a dramatic change and a trend. In the 1950s and 60s in our parents' and grandparents' churches, the church was like the central force in America. It seemed like people would go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. and That was sort of what people did, and things have changed today. People aren't necessarily just looking for church. They are looking for spiritual things, but church is not always what they look for. And so we have to figure out, how do we build relational bridges with people who win a hearing? And, and so we got involved in a, in a local fitness club to help to do that. And we've seen a lot of people from that come to, come to faith in Christ. And then we said about two years ago, what if we not only did that, but we also tried to build relational bridges and be good news to people in the city by offering a space that people could come into. And they could feel just completely uninhibited and just they could enjoy coffee together and fellowship and conversation and But we don't know who's going to do that, God. You've given us a dream and a vision, but we don't know who's going to lead that dream and vision. What we didn't know was that God was already working in the heart of Roger and Jackie because their story had come together. They had known each other in high school, and and then they had separated, and then they had both gotten married, and then both of them had uh, challenges in those marriages, and and it it changed the direction of where they were going to go, and somehow they came back together and, uh, and later in life. And through that relationship, God then began to develop something. And they started to dream, hey, maybe we could do something great. Maybe we could start a coffee shop. They thought maybe in Missouri, they thought. Well, then one day during a message, a sermon that I was preaching, where I mentioned the vision of the idea of having a coffee shop, suddenly they felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of talking to them and saying, I think that might be you. I don't think the Holy Spirit, I said, I think. He usually says, this is you. And so he said, this is you. And they said, I think he might be talking to us. And so then they came and said, I think he might be there, but they continued to delay. They weren't sure. There were people around them that said, this is not a good idea. You guys are like retirement age. You're 65-ish, right? And therefore, we can't do this. Roger, you have MS. How are you ever going to pull this off, those long hours? And so we began to talk in a dream. It was many, many months of planning and preparing and praying and thinking because we want to be good news for the city now, we don't want to just be, uh, uh, we don't want to just be a pe- place that people come buy coffee. We want to ha- have a place that also gives good news by giving the tips, the local causes, and representing Christ well. And so they begin to dream with that with us. And I just spoke to them the other day. On Tuesday, we had a meeting. Who knew? They're up at 5.30 in the morning, 5.30 every morning, six days a week, man. And he, said, he told me the other day, he said, well, we could be out on our back patio just drinking our own coffee and talking to each other and enjoying retirement. But no, we're here. And uh, look what you did to us. And, uh, and they're like, but we have, we're so alive and we enjoy it so much. And if you come in here and you see Jackie, she's just the life of the place. And she'll take that scream for the tip and she'll just simply turn around and say, you know where our heart is. And how can you not say no to that? I mean, I mean, how can you say no to that? Because building blocks for kids is the cause this month. And the first month they gave $1,600 to the Greater Project. All their tips went to local causes. And, and here's what Roger and I talked about. We've known many people who have retired and died. <laughs> 
and I'm not joking. Retire at 65, die at 67, whatever. We have seen this over and over again. When people lose their dream, they lose their ambition in life, then somehow things change for them and they find themselves a lot closer to the grave when they lose their purpose. What I'm saying is that when God gives you a dream, He strengthens you in that dream. He gives you the energy that you need to accomplish that, just like with Roger and Jackie. But not only that, you, you are stretched by your dream. Verse 9 says, I too, Paul said I was too and was convinced that I ought to do all that I possibly could to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put as many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Here's the Apostle Paul, a terrible guy prior to this vision from the Lord. He was persecuting Christians. But suddenly when the vision changed, it stretched him. It changed him completely. And he began to see what the full potential was. That it wasn't about him, it was about what God's dream was for him today. And I'm talking to some of you today who may be thinking, I'm tired of stretching. Maybe you're thinking, I'm too tired to dream. No, you're not. I'm too slow to dream. No, you're not. I'm too poor to dream. No, you're not. I'm too single to dream. No, you're not. I'm too married to dream. No, you're not. I'm too young to dream. I'm too old to dream. No, you're not. When Moses was 80 years of age, he led three and a half million people out of captivity. When Caleb was 85, he said, give me that mountain. Friends, when Colonel Sanders was 70 years old, he discovered something that was finger-licking good. And all God's people said, amen. I mean, come on. When Ray Kroc was 70, he introduced the Big Mac to the world. When John Wesley was 88, he was still traveling on horseback and preaching. Friends, keep stretching. Never be content with, with having reached a goal. And some of you today, you feel like you're too messed up. You feel like you made too many mistakes. God will never use you. You remember the story of Peter? Common fisherman, Jesus says on the shore, Peter, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It'll be a greater purpose. Peter dropped his nets along with the other fishermen and followed Jesus for three years. And he made a lot of mistakes in those three years. Foot and mouth disease was terrible with Peter. In fact, Jesus, when he was walking in the water, Peter said, I want to walk with you. Jesus said, okay, come on. Peter started walking, but he lost sight of Jesus, started to fall into the water. Peter's the one on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus shows up with Moses and Elijah. And it's this powerful moment that, that is, is, is memorable and it is all about Jesus. And Peter steps his, into the moment, puts his foot in his mouth and said, hey, let's build a monument to you guys. I think that's a good idea. And Jesus is like, ay, 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 not right. We're a lot more than a monument, Peter. Peter's the one who said, uh, hey, you're the Messiah, and, uh, and Jesus said, yeah, Peter, on that rock, the truth that I'm the Messiah, I'm going to build my kingdom. And immediately Jesus said, but I'm going to die. And Peter said, no, you're not going to die. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Oh, poor Peter, I tell you. Not only that, he denied Jesus three times when Jesus was at his worst moment. But don't you remember in the end of John, the book of John, where then on that very same seashore by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus has now died and resurrected. Peter is back in the fisherman's boat with regrets, 
because he's made those mistakes and now he even denied Jesus and now he's just going back to make his living because he doesn't have a purpose in a dream anymore. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, came walking on the seashore and he looked out to that boat and Peter recognized him and said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. He jumps out of the boat and he starts swimming out of the boat. That's how excited he is to see Jesus. And in 2011, when we went to Israel, we went to that same seashore. It's called the primacy of Peter. And on that seashore, everybody else was doing devotional time. And I just decided I wanted to kind of fully embrace this experience because I may never be here again. And in full clothing, I jumped into the water and swam out to about where I thought Peter would probably be and started to swim back into the shore because I wanted to experience God's wash of forgiveness over me as well. That moment of saying, Jesus saying, go feed my sheep. Your calling is not finished. And I'm just saying that there are those of you today that need to do what Peter did and fully embrace his dream for your life and say, God, I'm in this thing. Clothes and all, I'm in this thing. I have a dream, God. I know you have a dream for me, and maybe I haven't discovered it yet, God, but I want to know what that dream is for my life, God. I want to know what's next. I want to experience that grace. I'm just telling you, you have never gone so far away from God that his dream cannot still be alive in you. Do not lose the dream because history is filled with people. When they lost the dream, they lost more than their dream. When Alexander the Great had a vision, he conquered countries. When he lost it, he couldn't conquer the liquor bottle. When David had a vision, he conquered Goliath. But when he lost his vision, he couldn't conquer his own lust for Bathsheba. When Samson had a vision, he he won many battles. But when he lost his vision, he couldn't win the battle against Delilah. When Solomon had a vision, he was the wisest man in the world. When he lost his dream that God had given him, he couldn't control his own evil passions for a foreign woman. When Saul had a vision, he could conquer kings, but when he lost his vision, he couldn't conquer his own jealousy. When Noah had a vision, he could build an ark and keep the human race on track, but when he lost his vision, he got drunk. When Elijah had a vision, he could pray down fire from heaven and chop off the heads of false prophets, but when he lost the dream, he ran from Jezebel. And it's, friends, it's the dream that keeps us young. It's the vision that keeps us going. And as a church, we must never be content with the comfort zone or the status quo. God expects more of us than that. He expects that we will continue to press forward on the great vision that he has for us to continue until every breath that we have, that as many people as we know, will come to faith in Jesus Christ. That our children will be raised in homes where Jesus is loved and honored, that they will be taught truths of the scripture, that we will serve him that we will love him until our dying breath and that more and more people will come to know him. Friends, we are stretched by dreams. We are strengthened by dreams. We are sent by dreams and stopped by dreams and we are also satisfied when those dreams are accomplished. Acts chapter 26, verse 19, he said, I did not disprove disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul at the end of this says, I fulfilled that dream. And I love what the Bible says about David the king. It says that when he died, it said, David fulfilled God's mission, and then he died. What a great epitaph on your tombstone. Fulfilled God's mission, and then he died. Isn't that what we all want? God, just allow me to do what you're calling me to do. Allow me to do great things, God, for your kingdom. And tell me what's next, God. The greater, the small. God, maybe you're calling me to, I don't know, maybe some of you are being called today to, Every time there's a sick person, every time there's someone in need, they're going to get a phone call from you or a a card or a letter or a bouquet of flowers. Maybe some of you have a dream that I might be retirement age, but I'm going to I'm going to spend time like like Miss Phyllis did in uh, my church in uh, Miamisburg. Miss Phyllis was well into her 80s. 
I think Miss Phyllis has gone to be with the Lord. I'm not sure. But Miss Phyllis, boy, she worked in that preschool department for year after year after year after year after year after year after decade after decade, just continuing to serve those kids. That was God's dream for her life. How can I share Jesus with these kids? I don't know what God's calling you to. Maybe it's something that seems small or maybe it's something that seems big. But I think we should all be like the Apostle Paul where in Philippians chapter 3 he said, Whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, what other worldly gain I had, I now consider loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Or Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, where he said, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And Paul had all kinds of hardship and tragedy and trials, and yet he still pressed forward to accomplish the vision that God had for him. Because why? Because he had a dream and a vision from God on the road to Damascus. So what is your dream? Have you kind of fallen back into contentment, like it's no big deal, I'll just go through the motions, or do you have something that's so much inside of you that say, God, I want that dream and that vision, I want to see it accomplished, God, I want to fulfill that in my lifetime, God, help me to do that. I read the story of some individuals who climb up the mountains of the Alps, and they have found a mountain that is in particularly popular with climbers, and it has a rest house about halfway up. Now, for amateurs, it's a good day climb from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And if they start out early in the morning, they'll get to the rest place, the rest house, at about noon, about lunchtime, and then they can make the rest of the journey. But the owner of the house has noticed over the years that an interesting phenomenon happens on a regular basis. When climbers get to the house, when they feel the warmth of the fire and they smell the good food cooking, several will always give in to temptation. And they'll say to their companions, you know what? I think I'll just wait here while you guys trek on up that mountain. And when you come back down, I'll join you. We'll go back to the base together. And a glaze of satisfaction comes over their eyes as they sit by the fire or they play piano or they sing mountain climbing songs. Meanwhile, the rest of the group get their gear on, trek up to the top. For the next couple of hours, there is the spirit of glee and happiness in that warm house because they know their buddies are out on that will on that trek and they are going up that mountain and they are cold and they are freezing and here they are inside by that fireplace. They're having a good time. But about 3.30, starts to be quiet. They start taking turns looking out that window and looking up to the top of that mountain and then they are more silent when they watch as their friends reach the summit, their goal, and the atmosphere in the house has changed from celebration to a funeral service as they realize they settled for second best. Those who paid the price reached the goal. And friends, I'm just telling you today, I'm speaking to a group of people that I believe want to summit the mountain. I'm speaking to a group of people that I believe they do not want to settle for second best. They do not want to settle for comfort. They do not want to settle for sitting in the warm house and just saying, I wish I could have. I maybe would have wanted to. I hope that maybe one day I will. But instead, grab their gear and say, whatever it takes, we are doing to do kingdom exploits for the king. We are going to be on mission together. Because, friends, the temporary comfort of the shelter always causes you to lose sight of the purpose. It can happen to any of us. We all have sheltered places in our lives where we can retreat from the climb and lose sight of our goals. But the happiest people in the world, are they the young people? Are they the healthy people? Are they the wealthy people? Not necessarily. Friends, the happiest people in the world are those who are living out their dreams, who are giving themselves to something bigger than they are. And Jesus said, if you want to keep your life, you will lose it for my sake. But if you want to lose your life, you will keep it. Friends, we have been called to climb a mountain together. 
the purpose of fulfilling Christ's mission of seeking and saving that which was lost, we must never be comfortable in that mission, whatever it takes. And you individually have to be asking, God, what part of this dream do I have? God, what are you calling me to? How can I help more and more people come to know you? How can I be part of the solution to this? God, help me never settle for comfort, but help me instead to take the mountain. But friends, realize you are not taking that mountain alone. You are taking it with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are arm in arm with you. And we are marching together towards something great as we see more and more people come to faith in Christ. I'm calling you today. I'm challenging you today to see a dream. A dream that's beyond your resources, beyond even your thinking, beyond today. And every single one of us should leave today asking, God, what is next in my life? to help accomplish your dream and vision for my life. God, we pray today that you would help us to realize that the greatest on the earth, the greatest that ever lived, the greatest that ever died, the greatest that ever rose again is Jesus Christ. And God, we, on our lives, seek to fulfill your mission. So God, I ask in however way, whatever creative way you want to give us that vision, God, I pray for that today. In whatever creative way you want to implant in us a dream, I'm speaking to those who are young and those who are old, those who are sick, those who are single, those who are married, God, those who have blown it big time and those who have felt like they've lived a pretty good life, God. I'm just talking to everybody today because you have a vision for every person. God, there may be in this church today a young man who says, I want to I wanna preach the gospel. I, I want to preach the people in stadiums. I want to lead people to Christ. There may be a young woman who says, I want to be a missionary on a field, God, that, that's unreached. I want to go into a difficult area and even risk my life, God, because I want to do something great for the kingdom. There may be moms and dads who say, we've just kind of lived in the comfort zone with our kids. We want to stretch ourselves by just a simple dream of a, of a family devotional. Or God, we want to stretch and be stretched with a simple dream of being able to help with kids' ministry and lead the next generation. Or God, I want, to, I want to be the one that helps contact people who are in great need and say, you're loved, Jesus loves you, we want to encourage you. I want to be the one who starts a, a local business that's specifically focused on, on helping people and being good news to the city. God, I don't want to limit the dreams even by my words. So God, I just pray today that you would give us great vision to see beyond today. And God, thank you for being the greatest visionary the world has ever seen. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.